with maintenance. Give my guy Gary Cavins and his crew. This isn't any run-of-the-mill Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome in to DJ Hicks Day. Oh, man, yeah, there's a party going on around here. Let me tell you. I mean, I am going to cut a rug at the break. That's what old people do. They cut a rug. They don't dance. Just really get some scissors and cut up a rug is what I'm going to do during the first time out. How you doing on this Wednesday? Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you. It is Steel Man and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. DJ Hicks, 3.30 today. Parker, ESPN2. You crystal balled him a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And uh, today, the force will be with the Sooners, right? Because DJ Hicks, everybody thinks this is Oklahoma. Everybody does indeed think that, and I think just about everybody would be shocked if it wasn't Oklahoma at 3.30 p.m. And look, it hasn't been all that long since the Sooners got a commitment from a five-star defensive lineman because they held a commitment from Gabriel Brownlow Dindy a year ago, but it's been a good long time since OU signed a five-star defensive lineman. Emphasis on signed as opposed to received a commitment from because it's got – gosh, do you got to go back all the way to R.J. Washington – Jamarcus McFarland. So it's been at least a decade. Yeah. Or, or, I, I, I should know this. This is the kind of research I should have done in I preparation think it, for I today. think it is R.J. Washington. Yeah, and I, think, I think that, it would I think be R.J. Right Washington. With McFarland. And, uh, again, we are talking about when this happens today, a little after 3.30, Oklahoma is going to be the number two recruiting class in the country behind Alabama. Now, Alabama's going to get the number one recruiting class. I mean, it's a historic class that Bama's putting together. Surprise, surprise. But Oklahoma, by a pretty decent margin over Texas, will go from number six in the national recruiting rankings to number two overall. This will be their eighth top 100 player dj hicks considered the number one interior defensive line prospect in this 2023 class again this could be tommy harris this could be gerald mccoy uh, if dj hicks pans out and you know he's got a good bloodline his his dad played in the nfl played at grambling dj hicks apparently has a great work ethic at, uh, as well and this will be a major grand slam home run for todd bates today uh, and the Oklahoma staff, Todd Bates recruiting uh, DJ Hicks. And, uh, again, Parker, you land 
uh, let's say Peyton Bowen flips eventually. And sure, you let's say that. To Celia Kana, which Oklahoma appears to be leading on to Celia Kana as well. You get those two plus DJ Hicks today at 330. You get 10 of the top 100 players in this class. You know who else has 10 in this class? Alabama. You would also get your fourth five-star player. And Alabama has five five-star players. But this would be, again, a historic class for Oklahoma, no doubt. No doubt the best class we've seen in the last 25 years or so. But you would probably have to go back to the days of Barry Switzer in the earlier mid-70s when they, you know, before uh, even they had uh, scholarship limitations to see a class like this. Is that on paper, of course, you gotta you got to go out and play and pan out. But this, this is going to be a great day for Sooner fans. They need it after what happened Saturday night. And uh, this could be that final momentum push, too, Parker, for the, uh, the rest of the class. Yeah, and there's a reason why there's so much buzz about DJ Hicks as an individual and about this commitment. There's a reason why so much has been made of it on social media. Heck, hashtag Hicks to Norman Sooner is fans, trending on Twitter. Sooner fans did an unbelievable job there. Now, I'm not a big fan of like talking to recruits or anything and giving them encouragement if you want to do that. I get it. But with the hashtag stuff, that was a really good idea. And the Sooner fans, man, they made that happen big time. There is no doubt DJ Hicks had to be feeling the love. Hey, let's hear from DJ Hicks. This was DJ not long ago talking about uh, you know what he's working on in his game, his skill set, and the recruiting process. Uh, I feel like I got a lot better with using my hands and uh, being able to use a second move after my first move. I feel like I got a lot better with that. And then I definitely want to work on getting faster, uh, reading sets a little bit better and stuff like that. Uh, I feel like I could play anywhere on the front, uh, nose, detail, and end, wherever you need me to play. Uh, it's pretty cool, pretty uh, cool thing. When I was a kid, I was dreaming of having a lot of offers, being able to play college football, and now achieving my dream. And uh, he will announce his commitment coming up uh, 3.30 today on ESPN2. So this will be a huge day for Sooner fans, no doubt about it. He's very athletic. I mean, you're not a five-star if you're not athletic, but he also has carried the football some, right, during his high school career? (laughs) He's just an athletic freak. And if you haven't watched the tape on DJ Hicks yet, treat yourself because it is not easy to – dominate in the Texas high school football ranks. Now, you can stand out if you're good enough, but in such a talent-rich state, it is not easy to dominate the way that DJ Hicks does, especially as a defensive lineman. And I remember watching him in person for the first time last November after seeing so much of his film over the first couple of years of his high school career and just walking away from that game absolutely dumbfounded by how good of a player he is. As a junior in high school, he already looked like a guy that could be successful and compete at the next level if you threw him into a collegiate system the next day. And so you think about what he's going to be like a year and a half down the road once he has the opportunity to go through a spring ball with Oklahoma, once he has the chance to go through training camp, once he has a chance to line up opposite collegiate offensive linemen day in and day out. This is going to be a special football player. And I've long said I think he's the best football player regardless of position in this class. And I'll be honest, see, it it still feels a little surreal because think about a player like that, a truly elite defensive talent, it's just not something you're accustomed to 
seeing OU like OU traditionally would make the top five or so for a guy like this. But for them to be in the running to the point where they're in position to get his commitment on decision day, this is how you know the page has turned at the University of Oklahoma. And not since 2016 have the Sooners signed a single five-star defensive player. Well, they've got the opportunity to sign three of them this cycle. DJ Hicks, PJ Adebarre, and perhaps eventually Peyton Bowen. They're definitely going to have two, and it's very likely they will have three. So this is going to be a banner day for Sooner fans in the world of recruiting. It will push Oklahoma up to the number two class uh, in the nation behind Alabama. They will vault past Texas, and they'll have a pretty good margin, about six-point margin if you add up all the math, uh, against the Longhorns, who, of course, got Arch Manning, who's the greatest high school player who ever lived. So, uh, And old Mules, who residing down there around number 14. So that's that's quite satisfying as well. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens down the stretch because, again, it appears that OU's leading on Akana. There is still a lot of talk, again, that uh, Peyton Bowen will eventually wind up at OU with his high school teammate, again, um, Jackson Arnold. And uh, maybe Ryan Yates follows suit. Who knows? But if you get Bowen, you get another five-star. So, again, you could have potentially four five-stars uh, it's probably trending in, that, trending in that direction for Oklahoma and 10 of the top 100 uh, players in the country. And the Boomer Doomers have taken over the text line in the aftermath of no. our opening. Boomer Doomers, Boomer Doomers. <laughs> OU is not getting hicks, hyping everyone up for no reason just to be let down, just like the football team. Another listener says, getting a commitment from hicks is fine and dandy, but doesn't help us on the field this Saturday. This year's team is in trouble. There we go. This is why we can't have nice things. The Boomer Doomers, their internet works about one hour a day down in the underground bunker. You know, they're they're ordering their supplies and everything. You know, you can't please everybody. There's some sad sacks out there in the world. I'm just saying. But if you're an Oklahoma fan and you're not fired up about today, I understand the disappointment from last week. That was brutal. But also think about this. Brent Vittables is not playing with his guys right now, for the most part. Obviously, through the transfer portal, that changes. I'm not trying to dog anybody. But think about a future defensive line where you have David Hicks, Derek LeBlanc, Colton Vosick, and P.J. Adabare on the ends. That's you know, again, if those guys pan out, these are the, this is the kind of defensive line that Alabama signs. Yeah. Right here, right, that we're talking yeah. about. So it, uh, you know, who knows? This defense, hopefully it was a, a Kansas State problem again. I, I don't think they're the 85 Bears. I don't think they're close to what, you know, some of the great OU defenses have been. Obviously, last week was uh, horrible. But uh, better players are coming and more familiarity with the system is coming. And down the road, it's going to be really good. And it all and starts I think it's up gonna front. Get, yeah, and I think it's going to get better this year. Now, we'll see if it's good enough because TCU's playing some pretty good offense right now. Uh, the Frogs coming in at 3-0. and And, uh, by the way, Chandler Morris available this weekend. Available this weekend. Available. Oh, so do we, do we have a quarterback controversy uh, on our hands? Max Duggan's going to start, but hey. Chandler Morris is available for duty. Hey, duty! Does, this, does this make you feel better if you're an OU fan? Because, I mean, the old adage is if you got two quarterbacks, you got none, right? I think so, they're going to roll with Max Duggan because he's been tremendous. He now, has again, been. There's really no reason to yeah. switch things up. And, again, if he struggles, then maybe you see Chandler Morris come in. Or maybe you see Chandler Morris. Max Duggan is pretty mobile, though. 
But maybe you see Chandler Morris come in in some special situations. Who knows? We'll see. Ah, Air Comfort Solutions tax line. 330 can't come soon enough. Then we can stop talking about unproven 17-year-olds that aren't even on campus yet. Yeah. All right, we are going to take a timeout right here. First, we're going to thank Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring our first hour, as they do each and every day right here on Steelman and Thune. Tim Lasher, great Sooner, great company. They're family-owned and operated uh, by some great people, including Tim himself. They've serviced the greater Oklahoma City area now for over 15 years. Give them a call. Heating and air needs, they'll get you taken care of, 405-579-3113. That's 405 405- Five seven nine thirty one thirteen. Mike Steely, Parker Thune on a big day for Sooner fans. DJ Hicks expected to make his announcement for Oklahoma a little after three thirty today on ESPN two. We'll come back hear from Sonny Dykes, the TCU head coach on Oklahoma. Coming up next. We are back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon here on your home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network, Wednesday edition. DJ Hicks announcement coming up uh, right around 3.30 today. It's going to be on ESPN2, as he is expected to announce, for Oklahoma. All right, coming up later today, Jesse Crittenden covering the Sooners for the Norman Transcript. Uh, will join us at uh, 12.35 on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. We also have T.J. Eckert from uh, KTUL-TV in Tulsa coming up at 1.35, also joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline here in a little bit. All right, TCU rolling into this game this weekend. They are 3-0, a victory over a woeful Colorado team. Colorado- well, finally you're talking about the actual game on Saturday, and it is unproven 17-year-old. That's right. But uh, TCU also beat Tarleton State, and they beat SMU last week. Now, you know who Sonny Dykes is, really? Who's that? Minnie Muleshoe. He is Minnie Muleshoe. In that game last week, remember he left SMU for TCU, and the SMU fans can't stand the dude. They hey, think hey, they hey, were hold mu- on, hold on, hold on, hold on. In a very literal sense, I would say Sonny Dykes' offensive coordinator is Minnie Muleshoe. You think so? It's Garrett Riley. Well, that's true. You know, I keep forgetting about that. I mean, this this game, I mean, everything's on the line this weekend. You cannot lose to a Riley. Period. To knock off Mule Shoe. That's right. But he pulled a Mule Shoe, basically, on a smaller scale. 
uh, because the SMU fans think he's I, a major traitor. I, I will say this. I've met Garrett Riley. I shouldn't have called him knockoff mule shoe. He's a very nice guy. Much nicer than, you know. I don't believe you. Are you sure? Listen, listen. I'm not, I'm not going to crucify a guy because of who his brother is, right? It's. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of an analogy for this situation. Like the Unabomber's brother was probably a nice guy, <laughs> right? I wasn't trying to go that over the top with it, but yes. I'm sure the Unabomber's brother. Whatever Kaczynski he nice was, human. was fine. <laughs> now somebody's going to take this seriously. They always, it's amazing <laughs> how many people take this stuff seriously. Way to go, Steely, comparing a mass murderer to a football coach. You know, it's anyway. Well, let's just let's just hear from Sonny Dykes in Oklahoma before I get myself in trouble. Here is the TCU head coach. Yeah, really good football team. I mean, they were they were a top ten team for a reason. They've got a lot of uh, explosive players. Um, they do a lot of different things defensively. I mean, they're a very hard team to prepare for defensively. You're just going to see every front, every blitz, every line movement, every coverage. I mean, they're going to really do a good job of keeping you off balance. Um, you got to give your your hats off to Kansas State. You know, yeah. I thought they did a great job in the run game last week, and their quarterback played exceptional uh, football and, and gave them a chance to win. But you know, it's a very good football team, proud tradition. Um, you know, I, I would imagine it's been a long time since Oklahoma lost consecutive conference games. Uh, I don't know how long it's been, but I'm guessing it's been a while. And so it'll be a big challenge for us. I know our players are excited for it, and I know we're looking forward to, to playing a game here at uh, AMG Carter Stadium. It hasn't even been two years. <laughs> It hasn't even been two years. October 3rd, 2020. It was the last time Oklahoma lost back-to-back conference games. Yeah, that's right. But the point remains. K-State and Iowa State. Yeah, K-State, Iowa State, 2020. But the point remains, this is a good Oklahoma team. This is a team that traditionally does not lose consecutive games. And on the two occasions in recent years when they have, you think, well, I guess they didn't lose consecutive games in 2016, but they lost two of three. In both 2016 and 2020, the Sooners started the season one and two, went undefeated from there on out. 2016 was Houston and Ohio State. Houston and Ohio State, that's right. Yeah, lost to Tom Herman. Jeez. Uh, anyway, do you think Shu is on the horn with his brother? I mean, I'm sure he is. Pulling some Benedict Arnold stuff. I, I'm, I'm sure they talk. They're both offensive-minded football coaches. I'm sure they share insights with one another. I don't know if... I don't know if it has anything to do with the game this weekend in particular. I can't... You know, you reminded me yesterday, and I, I'm old. I already forgot. I forgot there's a Riley over there. So this game is a must-win, underlined like 20 times. All right, let's hear uh, Max Duggan's been playing some really good football for TCU, no doubt. Eight TDs, no picks, number one in the country in passing efficiency. Uh, TCU is, is, you know, look at the competition. It's not great, but Oklahoma's uh, obviously wasn't real great right before K-State either. But uh, Max Duggan is playing at a very high level. Here is Sonny Dykes talking about his quarterback. Max is one of those guys that you, um, you can't help but admire and respect. I mean, he's, um, you know, he just shows up every day, goes to work, and, um, and is just really incredibly unselfish. And a lot of people have a ton of respect for him. I mean, his teammates really admire him. They believe in him. You know, you, you could really see it in the Colorado game. 
you know, when Chandler got hurt, Max came into the game, and, and those guys never never blinked, and Max certainly never blinked. And, and our players have a complete, total confidence in him, and they know um, what kind of leadership he's going to provide, the, the, what, how he's going to play. And, you know, you can make the argument right now he's playing as good as any quarterback in college football. There you go, Sonny Dykes on uh, Max Duggan. You know where Max Duggan's from? The dark side of Omaha. Really? Council Bluffs, Iowa. I didn't know that. I yes. kind of just figured he was a Texan. But no, no he's no. not. He's from the state of Iowa. Council Bluffs, Iowa sounds like a really boring place. It's it's a really – the analogy that we Omahans always make is you've watched The Lion King, right? Mm-hmm. They're overlooking the part of the kingdom where all the hyenas live. Right. That's Council Bluffs. Council gotcha. Bluffs is where all the casinos and chain smokers are. So it's like the San Fernando Valley as compared to Hollywood. Yes. Kind of. Yes. We'll go with that. Gotcha. Gotcha. But he's he's played really well. He's played really well. And, man, the Sooner defense, if that Sooner defense had played last weekend or didn't play last weekend against K-State, shows up, they're in trouble again. They've got to play better, obviously. Great analysis, right? But, I mean, they've, they've got to get it figured out. They have absolutely got to get it figured out because TCU is going to score some points. And uh, Oklahoma has enough offensive firepower to win this game if they don't shoot themselves in the foot. And last week, man, they took out every firearm they had and blew their, their entire foot off uh, in that game. And, yes, I think Dylan Gabriel's been a good Solid quarterback for OU. But, again, he still needs to make some of these throws at crucial times where you got a guy running wide open. Dylan Gabriel didn't cost him the game. But, again, you got you got to make more of those throws, man. You've got to make more of those. But I think if Oklahoma, if they don't have a bunch of penalties and if they can actually get off to a decent start in this game, the Sooners can go out there and score 45 on TCU, I think. Maybe more if they play really well. By the way, this is the perfect analogy on the text line for the Lincoln-Garrett-Riley situation. Patrick Mahomes and his goofy brother. You can't hold Pat accountable for his brother's actions just like you can't hold Garrett-Riley accountable for Muleshoe's actions. I Man, gotcha, I gotcha. Between gotcha. Patrick's brother and his wife, he's got quite the, quite the little circle. That's of, that's got to be. Like, it, oh, it's gosh. it's more of a circus than a circle. Yeah, yeah they're basically two Clark Strouds following him around, just looking for attention, right? By the way, somebody from the eight three two says this mule shoe stuff is just not funny. It's lame. You look like fools every GD day. Okay, sorry, <laughs> sorry, eight three two. Somebody else said. Uh, DJ Hicks unfollowed all the OU coaches on Twitter. Any means for concern? Is that true or is that an unsubstantiated tweet that's making the rounds? Because somebody else said earlier, I can confirm this, but somebody tweeted that DJ Hicks unfollowed all the OU coaches. Even if that did happen, not worried. Shouldn't be worried. How does somebody find that out? Is what You probably have too much time on your hands if you find that out. I don't know. Maybe you, I guess you could scroll through very quickly or whatever, but still, um, I don't know. We'll see. It would be you would put it on the shock scale at what? Um, on a 10. On, ten. A, a 10. Yeah, if he doesn't ten. announce for OU today. It would be a 10. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, on the text line, this listener from the 580 says, so Peyton Bowen is going to Notre Dame in November, so he's not flipping anytime soon, question mark? I mean, let me just put it this way. 
if Peyton Bowen didn't end up taking that visit to Notre Dame, it would be far from the first time this year that he scheduled a visit to Notre Dame and that visit didn't happen. So, yeah, apparently the plan is for him to attend Notre Dame-Clemson in South Bend come November. Not entirely convinced that happens. Hmm. Peyton and Eli, right? Yes, Peyton and Eli. So uh, once so they once they graduate from OU, we need to have them do an alternate broadcast called the Bowen Cast. There you go. There, there you go. I like it. I like it. Yeah. There you go. Uh, not a true tweet. He's still following all the coaches. How does this stuff get started? I mean, people have way too much time on their hands. Uh, because then you think, oh, come on, that's BS or whatever. But somebody's got to go investigate it. Somebody's got to go investigate it. All right, yeah, that um, that would uh, surprise a lot of people again if uh, if David Hicks didn't announce for Oklahoma today. Unless, is there any chance that the A&M Bagmen come in with like $3 million at the last I, I decade? Mean, hey, the, the A&M Bagmen are nowhere to be found right now, and that's part of the reason everybody that signed at A&M last year Starting to get a little antsy. Did they run out of money or what? What happened? The economy? Or they just Inflation? never had that money to begin Maybe with. Maybe they just decided, you know what? Uh, we're all out of funds. Yeah, we need – we got a five-star D lineman out of Katy. Uh, what's left in the budget? Well, we only have $1.7 left. Damn it. It's going to take more than that. But, no, we, you said a long time ago that you didn't think DJ Hicks would be about NIL and, um, you know, and the money stuff. No, because here's what Oklahoma can do. Oklahoma can point to development and say, hey, especially Todd Bates can take this approach. can say, look, all of these guys are guys that I have developed, sent off to the NFL. Look at the money they're making now. Look at what Texas A&M hasn't done in that regard, and you tell me, you want a couple million bucks up front, or do you want to be a multi-millionaire down the line on draft day? Because if so, you're going to come to Oklahoma. And I think DJ Hicks is more receptive to that than the promise of a quick buck in College Station. Okay, we'll take a break right here. Thank you again to Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-579. 3113. If you need your AC worked on, I know we're we're late in the fourth quarter on summer here, but it's still hanging around. It's going to be in the mid-90s today. But during the winter when you need your tune-up, also be thinking about Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. They'll do great work for you, and it will not cost you a lot of We're back. 
Jesse Crittenden, Norman Transcript Sports Editor, covering the Sooners, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline here on this Wednesday edition of Steelman and Thune. Jesse, we appreciate your time. As usual, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, so which direction are you leading uh, uh, this week? Was what we saw defensively from Oklahoma last week, like a one-off game where it's a bad matchup and Kansas State played a near-perfect game offensively? Or is this a big issue for Oklahoma, perhaps moving forward, the defense. No, I don't think it's as it's it's almost like Brett Venable said. I think it's it's never quite as bad as you think it is, and it's never quite as good as you think it is. I I think it, I think it's a little hard to evaluate where this defense is through four games, considering their first three opponents, and you know maybe it's possible Nebraska's struggling even more than than we had anticipated, but. Um, you know, I, I think I think I think the Kansas State performance was a variety of different factors. I I think Kansas State's always been a tough matchup for Oklahoma. I think there were things schematically um, that Oklahoma struggled to to execute against Kansas State, and and some of the players have even alluded to it. I, I do think that their performance to the first three games got you know I, I think it got in their heads a little bit, and and I think. I think their performance against Oklahoma, particular or against Kansas State, particularly defensively, I think they know they have to hit the reset button. They kind of have to start, you know, from scratch. And I, and I think it's a reminder that this is going to take a little bit more time. You know, I mean, this is again a, a brand new staff with a lot of new players that are still kind of integrating together. So no, I, I expect the Oklahoma defense to get better. But I think more than anything, it was a reminder that. You know, this isn't going to be perfect right away, and this is going to be something that's going to have to be built game by game, particularly defensively. Jesse, are the Boomer Doomers correct? Does Dylan Gabriel suck? Does OU need to demote him and or pursue another transfer portal quarterback? <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I don't think I would go that far. Look, look, Dylan Gabriel has he been? Has he been perfect? No. If, if you look at if you look at the film, if you go back and watch the game from Kansas State, uh, certainly there are some throws uh, that that he's got to hit. There's there's throws that, um, as he said, he he would love to have back. I mean, as, you know, the 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 fourth down throw to to Drake Stoops is is a big one. I mean, that's that's a throw you've got to hit. But I mean, really, to me, outside of the slow start. Um, the OU offense was fine against Kansas State, and I think you saw in that second half that there were some pre-snap penalties that that really hurt them. That if you take those away, you know maybe maybe they score you know a couple of touchdowns in that second half instead of you know either having to punt or settle for a field goal. So no, the the offense just like the defense absolutely has some things um, that they need to work on, some things that can fix. Dylan Gabriel absolutely can be better, but again. You know, we're we're four games in. Uh, you know, Oklahoma's four games into the season. Uh, this is going to be a work in progress offensively too. But I, I think Dylan Gabriel has shown enough that you know, assuming that he can continue to improve on a week by week basis, that this offense, you know, th- this offense could be fine as long as they tweak some things. All right, uh, Jesse Crittenden is with us on the uh, Riverwind Casino Hotline, um, man. <sighs> Kansas State is like, um, I, I don't know, it's like they've got all the chess moves against OU, it seems like, and they execute those to perfection, and the Sooners are almost like playing checkers against K-State sometimes. It's really weird when you have a matchup like this. And look, 
Adrian Martinez was horrible early in the season. I mean, he, they were they couldn't move the ball hardly on Tulane at all. And I know Deuce Vaughn was out for a quarter, but man, Adrian Martinez played uh, the game of his life. What do you think about uh, Max Duggan again from TCU's had a great start, can be a mobile quarterback. Chandler Morris is back available this week. We know we've seen what he can do when he was at Oklahoma. We saw what he did to a Dave Aranda Baylor defense last year. So what about this matchup coming up Saturday down in Fort Worth? Yeah, I think this is going to be a tough game. And, and this is, again, it's going to be a really tough test for this defense. I mean, Max Dugan, uh, he's first in the country in passing efficiency. He's third in completion percentage. This offense has been moving the ball really well. And, and they do it, you know, both through, you know through the air, uh, and on the ground, I mean, the, the running attack has been one of the best in the country too. So, I mean, this is this is a tough task. And if you look at the Big Twelve landscape as a whole, there just there just doesn't seem to be uh, very many easy wins. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think I think you know this will this will be a big test to see where this Oklahoma team is at if they can bounce back from uh, you know that performance against Kansas State, and you know, like you mentioned, give Kansas State credit. There were there were things they did really, really well that Oklahoma, uh, I think, just weren't either weren't prepared for or couldn't account for. But I mean, I, I think if they come into TCU and and put up a good performance, I think that would be uh, that would be a big testament to where this team is at, men, you know, mentally and their ability to bounce back. But it, it's not going to be easy. It's it's going to be a tough game in Fort Worth and. Again, particularly defensively, it's it's another tough test. I, I don't think it's going to be much easier uh, than it was against Kansas State. So I think more than anything, I'm looking at how the defense responds uh, from that bad performance last weekend. I think most would agree, Jesse, that through four games, the Sooners' most impressive offensive performer has been Marvin Mims, followed closely by Eric Gray, who's been fantastic. But uh, Mims has demonstrated that he is absolutely uh, a guy that should be in the Boletnikoff Award conversation as we hit the home stretch of the 2022 season in a couple of months. But as you think back to 2020, of course, Mims was a true freshman. He really had his signature performance of that campaign at Amon G. Carter Stadium, uh, which included a touchdown of, I believe, 50 yards in that football game as the Sooners won 33-14. to So as you look ahead to this Saturday, how important is it that the Sooners get Mims heavily involved early on. Yeah, I, I've I've kind of been preaching that since the beginning of the season. I, I think sometimes as complicated uh, as football can be, sometimes it's also as simple as get the get the ball to your best player. And and Marvin Mims had a couple of uh, of really big plays against Kansas State. Obviously, the, the you know the the fifty yard touchdown was a big one. But he only finished that game with four receptions. And I think. When you look at an offense that, again, I mean, we're, we've seen last week that both sides of the ball, um, there's still some things that they're going to have to work on, some things that are going to have to take some time to, to click. Uh, I think Marvin Mims, I think he's almost a guy that you you have to make a real concerted effort to get him the ball. Uh, obviously, he leads the team in, in receiving yards and receptions. He's on pace to have a better year uh, than last year. But, I mean, in all honesty, I, there, I think – there just can't be very many games where he finishes with five receptions or, or fewer. I think, uh, I think OU is going to have to make a real concerted effort to get him the ball. He's their best perimeter weapon. Uh, we've seen what we what he can do when he has the ball in his hands. He's able to get behind the defense. Yeah, I, again, I think sometimes it can be as simple as as get the ball to your best players. And and Marvin Mims and Eric Gray have been it through uh, through four weeks, and I and I think they're going to have to really be involved. 
uh, in Fort Worth for this OU team to really have a chance. All right, yeah, it, it got uh, very interesting. Uh, when when they throw the PA guy into the mix, I mean, I, I've heard some blame go around over my 40 years covering OU football, 40 years plus, actually. But have you ever heard the PA guy get thrown in the mix, Jesse? No, no this, is, this, is a, this is a new one for me. Uh, you know, and, and, and sometimes it's, it's a little hard to hear it uh, from the press box. But, yeah, this is – I didn't expect that to be a, a, a talking point um, after that game, but it is something that's uh, persisted. And, and there have been some different things, uh, you know, different procedures that the PA system has, has done uh, this year. But, yeah, I, I'm surprised at uh, how, how long that, to- that talking point has persisted. Yeah, it's still uh, it's been out there. We understand the uh, the PA announcer is still actually alive and well, so no real issues there. But I don't think it, there'll be as many boomers for home games, uh, if at all, <laughs> when the offense has the ball. Hey, Jesse, we always appreciate your time. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having me on. Jesse Crittenden joining us. Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, the best in the metro area, voted year in and year out. I mean, every single year, they're like the Alabama of local casinos. It's every year, Riverwind, the best, the best, the best, the best. Why? Best bars, best dining, best entertainment, best service, a huge assortment of games, 2,800 electronic games, all the table games you love as well. Right now, they have three new gaming areas because they're undergoing some renovations you'll find gaming in the showplace theater that's non-smoking in there a non-smoking gaming area you'll also find a gaming area on the sky bridge and at the river lounge and again all the great comforts you love over there at riverwind the food court and the river buffet a tremendous gift shop riverwind casino simply the best home of sooner fans steelman and thune here on the ref radio network coming right back Okay, coming up next hour, T.J. Eckert will join us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline at uh, 405-329-9000. KTUL TV Sports Director, always a great guest, has some great takes on what's going on in college football and everything else. And uh, thank you to Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring our first hour, 405-579-3113. Let's get as many Air Comfort Solutions Text line, text in as we can before we wrap up this first hour. Brian in Tulsa says A&M Bagman can't afford it right now. They're trying to save up for Jimbo's buyout. By the way, uh, Mark Desher popped into the studio, and I guess a couple people had mentioned this on the text line as well. Apparently somebody called in a bomb threat to DJ Hicks' school I, yeah, or something along those lines. Yeah, about five minutes ago. I guess they've got reporters out there. As of now, I guess they haven't moved back anything, but – Somebody on the text line says, Somebody on the text line said, Jimbo sure is a sore loser. That is, uh, golly, it's it's crazy. Man, sometimes, you know what? I would love to go back in a time warp, time machine, jump in the DeLorean with Doc and go back to a time before social media. I think the world would be a better place myself. This listener says, Miles Garrett might have something to say 
A&M grad making tons of money in the NFL with regard to the development conversation. Yeah, I mean, look, A&M's – you know, Miles had, Garrett precedes Jimbo Fisher's true. regime at a I mean, yeah, when you think of uh, great pass rushers of the last uh, 10 or 15 years, two were A&M Aggies with uh, Von Miller and Miles Garrett, obviously. Yeah, but again, the current Texas A&M staff cannot claim either of those two yeah. when it comes to uh, developing them for the NFL. Yeah. Uh, one listener says, so what you're saying is goofiness runs through Lubbock. I think those that goes back to the Patrick and Jackson Mahomes conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yes, goofiness definitely runs through Lubbock. You don't need to look any further than <laughs> what Riley family member lives in the 832. <laughs> I got a couple tweets on that, too. Yeah. People Here's- are obsessed with who follows who on Twitter. It's so true. Yeah, like, I mean, it's just... It's just, I don't know. Look, there are parts of it I like, and, uh, you know, I kind of use it more. I don't like to tweet a lot. I just don't. But, uh, you know, I'm looking at it quite a bit, and I'm look, I'm one of those guys, too, man. We could be watching a sporting event or a movie, and I'm looking at my phone half the time, which is really sad. Because the guy from Google came on 60 Minutes and said, we programmed you to do that, to feel like you have to be engaging with your phone every second. We did that. And, they've and here succeeded. I am. I, I'm, they've I'm the, succeeded. I'm the robot as well. I'm doing the same thing. And you know what? Nothing rarely ever changes. You refresh, refresh, refresh. Nothing happens. This listener says, Steely and Parker, please explain power rankings. Thanks. Well, who's power rankings? I think because he's talking about, I, I don't know, but probably 247. He's just probably wanting to know how, you know, all of a sudden Oklahoma jumps from 6 to 2 when DJ Hicks commits today. It's basically just a number system, a numerical system that they assign, you know, DJ Hicks has a certain value as a five-star. So I think he's talking about the... Oh, you uh, think he's talking about the recruiting I think he, I think he's probably talking about the recruiting rankings would be my guess. Okay. Uh, this listener says, will DJ Hicks's commitment have any impact on current OU targets? Yes, it certainly will. And I don't know if you're going to see a massive wave of immediately subsequent commitments like you did with the Longhorns and Arch Manning. But I do think having a five-star defensive lineman on board and somebody who's as well-respected among his peers as DJ Hicks, uh, that's going to pay dividends for Oklahoma. That could certainly help with Peyton Bowen, another Texan, another guy that uh, DJ Hicks has some familiarity with. But outside of that, uh, I I guess at that point – you're starting to look ahead to what the ramifications could be for 2024. Maybe guys like Nigel Smith, Williams Nwaneri, Zadavian Sims, uh, wanting to jump on board at Oklahoma and play alongside a guy like DJ Hicks who's going to make their job easier by virtue of his very presence. As far as the board in 2023, man, it just gets smaller and smaller. And once you get DJ Hicks, at that point, you're really only looking at to Celia Kana and two more safeties on the defensive side, whoever that ends up being, whether it's Peyton Bowen and Ryan Yates, whether it's Conrad Hussey and Rohan Fluellen, whether it's Marvin Burks and Morgan Pearson. So it's not going to need to have a ton of impact just because the Sooners have already done so much on the recruiting trail that DJ Hicks almost feels more like gravy than the guy that's going to get the train rolling. Well, and again, uh, we've said that Oklahoma's going to finish with a top-five class. And again, if if things, if these dominoes we think are going to fall in OU's direction down the stretch, they indeed fall, 
then the Sooners probably are going to be uh, no lower than three, you would think, and probably hanging in there at number two behind Alabama. Steely, the world is the same. Social media just revealed its true nature. You know, I, I, well stated. It's pretty sad, though. You know, the it, the lack of civility just drives me crazy. I mean, it, it, it's there are angry people out there everywhere. And look, I'm not above it. I'm not saying that. But it's, sometimes I just look at it and I'm like, man. I'm glad I'll be out of here in about 10, 15 years because this place looks really, really, really scary right now. Just saying. This listener says Jimbo is still a tool. Simple, concise, but, Mm. you know. (laughs) Uh, Another listener says, Parker, who is next commit in the 2023 class not named? Hmm. DJ Hicks. That's a tough question. It really is because – I'm not even sure there is a favorite at that point because we don't know what the timeline looks like for Peyton Bowen. Yeah. We don't know what the timeline looks like for Ryan Yates. And we don't know what the timeline looks like for Tecilia Kane either. So, unless, yeah. And remember, I, wasn't D, David Hicks was supposed to uh, announce at the All American game, right? That was originally what he said a long time ago. So things can change, right? I would still lean Ryan Yates. Ryan That's Yates? That's my gut. Really? I would still lean hmm. Ryan Yates. Interesting. All right, we got a lot more to get into next hour, ladies and gentlemen. A ton of text still rolling in. We'll talk about the Malachi Coleman situation. A whole lot more on the way. Stay with us here on the Home Sooner Fans, the ref. Jumping into hour number two here on a Wednesday, presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a vehicle, car, truck, SUV, used vehicle. They've got a great selection, great sales team at the Seth Wadley Auto Group, and a great guarantee, unmatched. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. They need diapers. Do you have any extra diapers, Parker? Do you have any extra diapers? I personally do not All own, right. nor have I ever purchased any diapers. Well, I am you, not in that phase of life yet. Well, I'm. I will, I will tell you about my situation here in a minute. But uh, Tyler McComas is going to be on remote at Mitchell's Jewelry today on uh, West Main Street in Norman, and uh, our September nonprofit service project is uh, a diaper drive they've got going on for the Center for Children and Families. So you can drop any. Diapers by, they're looking for sizes five or six. Pull-ups, unscented diaper wipes today, uh, 2 o'clock. Tyler will be out there from 2 to 6 at Mitchell's Jewelry, 2201 West Main Street in Norman. So uh, there will be a drop-off point for diaper donations. That's what we're trying to do to help out the Center for Children and Families uh, today from 2 to 6. I'm wearing my my diapers right now, my Depends, the uh, brand-new Depends bikini. Uh, model, less coverage, more senior sexy.
I just rendered him speechless, ladies and gentlemen. I just rendered Parker Thune speechless. I, I, I don't even know where to go from here. <laughs> he literally, that's the first time I have ever seen you like. Because I, I, I was expecting an anecdote. Uh, you said, I'll tell you my diaper situation. That's here my today. diaper so I, situation. I thought it was going to be something on the same plane as the Lake Thunderbird Tidy Whitey no, story. No, that's a, that's a horror story, man. That is really, that is a nightmare. But uh, maybe the pen should think about a bikini model. Who knows? Why not? That's the kind of great ideas that are born in a brainstorming. Well, it really would defeat the purpose of depends, I guess. People are asking about the Malachi Coleman situation. Mm -hmm. I guess we got to address it. Okay, so here's here's where things sit right now between Oklahoma and the four-star athlete out of Lincoln, Nebraska. It doesn't look as though Coleman is going to end up being a take for Oklahoma. And this is a OU decision. Yes. What, so here's what, here's what here's the what, backdrop. Hey, OU coaches, uh, you you guys are you do a fine job. You all have great resumes, but don't let this guy go be Kyle Pitt somewhere else. Kendall says, "I just vomited in my house after hearing that." Yeah, I'm not sure if he's referring to the Depends or oh, the yeah, Malachi that, Coleman news. Well, but, no, I think it's the Depends. Okay, so I was trying to induce vomiting. So yes, I succeeded. Here's the backdrop you need for the Malachi Coleman deal and why it's come to this and why it doesn't look like right now that Oklahoma is going to allow him to take the official visit and or commit back in June Malachi Coleman visited Oklahoma it was June the 10th the visit was on the schedule for probably about a month before he took it and the OU staff tried to get him to make that visit an official they tried to get him to OV on the weekend of June 10th Coleman said, no, I want to keep it an unofficial. And so he took the visit on June 10th, but it was it was an unofficial. It was not an official. It was an unofficial visit. On his own dime, he came down, saw the sights, did the photo shoot, all that, but did not make the experience an official visit like the OU staff wanted. Now, you fast forward to the fall, and I think last month is where it really started to become clear that Maybe there was a situation where if things got to a certain point, uh, the Sooners might not end up taking Coleman. Because um, here's the deal, Steely. And I, we've kind of mentioned this in passing on the show as well as on Locked In. You have to think about what the tight end room is going to look like next year if you sign Cade McIntyre and you get another guy at that position, whether that's Malachi Coleman or somebody else. At that point, you have two true sophomores in Caden Helms and Jason Llewellyn, and you have two two fresh, true freshmen. So there's not a ton of experience in that room. And so it, it was always apparent that Oklahoma, one way or another, was going to go to the transfer portal after mm -hmm. season's end to grab a seasoned tight end, uh, somebody with some experience, somebody akin to Daniel Parker. And somebody that can just come in and be the guy that gets it and that doesn't have to be thrown into a situation that you don't know 100% uh, whether or not he's ready for it. So that was always on the radar as something that was going to happen. But then you got the numbers conversation kind of creeping into the mix. 
And you have to understand that's not just exclusive to the tight end position. I don't think the Sooners would have been opposed to rostering five scholarship tight ends. But you heard Brent Venables talk yesterday, for instance, about how thin they are at linebacker. Just to pick one example. right? So a scholarship that you could be allotting to a fifth scholarship tight end and a guy that probably won't see the field right away, probably won't make much of an immediate impact, could be more usefully reallocated to a linebacker out of the portal, for instance. right? So you have to consider numbers, and you have to consider the experience or lack thereof in the tight end room, as well as the fact that, and I'd, I'd mentioned this a while back, there are obviously some understandable concerns about Coleman's ability to play the tight end position and make that transition immediately because he's a wide receiver by trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a pretty wiry, lanky frame, and he's very strong. He's about 205 pounds, but doesn't have the prototypical tight end body yet. So why not make him a wide receiver? Yeah, because you got three wide receivers you committed. You've got okay. So you got this, a lot of wide receivers. This right is now. more of a numbers deal than anything else. Because I'm thinking, how many more? Offers can they make in this class? Is there a set number? Because I know they bumped up the number for one one of the classes, right? Because oh, you, of COVID and everything. So you're talking about how many scholarships they can yes. offer? I mean, it's normally 25, right? That's the number unless you've lost some others and you could go above that. Yeah, and there's there's the provision for COVID uh, th- that I think has upped it to 32 mm-hmm. for a couple years here. So... So they're uh, so it's a numbers thing, and they're unsure of what his position might be. I go back to what Bob Stoops said on the ref. Look, and I these coaches look. I'm an idiot giving my opinion on the radio. They know what they're doing. But I also remember when Bob Stoops said, you know, I went around everybody's what position does he play, coach? And I said, I don't know. He's a football player. You know, there's Dan so, Cody. He was talking. Yeah, Dan Cody. Exactly. And uh, I, I man, I like what I. You know, look. He just looks like a freak athlete to me. So, I don't know. It's yeah, and, look, and, you, it's, and you you believe he absolutely wants to come to Oklahoma. Oh, also. yes. Trust me. Trust me. Uh if Oklahoma would take that kid, if they would let him take the official visit, he would be a sooner. Make yeah. no mistake about that. They got the kid in the palm of their hand, and it's unfortunate that now there seems to be a little bit of waffling to the point where now it doesn't look like he's going to end up being a sooner based on what the staff has decided. But I look I agree with you, and he's also a defensive player too. But maybe he's the next well, Javon Curse. Well, and I, the I freak. don't know I'd go that far. But my thought is, I'm not totally convinced that Cade McIntyre doesn't end up playing defense mm. by the end of his career at Oklahoma. Well, maybe. So my thought is very similar to yours, Steely. This is a guy who's got an athletic profile and a skill set that you don't find every single year. So regardless of what he is, regardless of what he's going to become, lock him down. It can't hurt. Yeah. If OU isn't taking any more wide receiver commitments, why are they still communicating with Mike Atiz? Because they want him at safety. They always have. Uh, There was a brief moment in time when it looked like Anthony Evans wasn't going to of course, it looked, yeah, like the, the, the night before he committed. Anthony Evans was going to Georgia. Yeah, he was going to Georgia. OU reached out to Mike Tease. LaDamian Washington, more specifically, reached out to Mike Tease. And that was kind of the very brief window where Oklahoma was considering him at the wide receiver position. But they've always preferred him at safety. 
And so with Peyton Bowen and Ryan Yates dragging out their processes here, the Sooners have continued to maintain touch with T's in hopes that he would eventually ascend to playing safety and maybe just maybe there's a spot for him at Oklahoma. But they're not staying in communication with him because they want him to be an additional wide receiver. The Sooners are just fine with their class right now, which includes Jaquez Petaway, Keon Brown, Anthony Evans. Maybe he could pull a little Andre Wolfolk action, you know, if he plays defensive back. All right, 405-651-3439 in the Air Comfort Solutions text line. This might be a dumb question. Will you guys explain the difference between an official and non-official visit? So I always forget the exact number. I want to say it's 53. A, a 53 official visits that a school can offer in a given recruiting cycle. So basically, schools are limited in the amount of official visits that they can dole out to prospects. So generally, the offer of an official visit means that you are a take at said school, which pretty much confirms, right, that there was a time Malachi Coleman was undoubtedly a take at Oklahoma. That's changed over the last few months, evidently. But the difference between an official visit and an unofficial visit is pretty simple. And there's a little bit of nuance to it, but basically what it boils down to is an unofficial visit is taken on the prospect's dime. An official visit is taken on the school's dime. They get you a hotel room. They pay for your plane tickets. They give you free meals. Uh, they maybe take you to Top Golf or something like that. It's basically the entire experience on the visit is funded by the school. Gotcha. All right, we've got a ton rolling in. We'll get to as many as we can. We need to take a quick break right here. When we get back, we'll we'll hear from Dylan Gabriel meeting with the media last night, trying to move past K State and look ahead to TCU. Sooners are a six and a half point favorite over the unbeaten Horn Frogs this weekend, and former OU. Sooner QB Chandler Morris is available to play this weekend. Max Duggan's going to start. If he falters somewhat, you could see some Chandler Morris action for TCU on Saturday. Stay with us. Coming right back here on The Ref. All right, coming up here in about 15 minutes, T.J. Eckert, KTUL TV Sports Director, will join us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline 405-329-9000. Going to hear from Dylan Gabriel here in a few minutes. Meeting the media last night. Right now, let's get back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. 
DJ Hicks, have we heard anything? Have, have they moved the time back or anything yet, Parker? I uh, have not anything? heard anything to that effect. So as of right now, everything is still in place. All of this is still set to go down at 3.30 Central. The commitment of five-star defensive lineman, David DJ Hicks. A&M dropped the bag for Hicks. Is that what we are hearing? They still <laughs> no, that's think, not what you're hearing. They still think the a- A&M is going to show up in like a limo, you know, and the Collie's going to jump out and the cadets are going to jump out and officially just drop a safe right in front of David Hicks. Yeah, here's, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. The kid wants to go to Oklahoma. He's going to go to Oklahoma. Think think about what happened last year with Gabriel Brownlow Dindy, right? He didn't decommit from Oklahoma and flip to Texas A&M until Calvin Thibodeau wasn't retained. That was why he ended up in Aggie. It wasn't because of the money they offered. It was because the relationship with the defensive line coach who had recruited him to OU was out the door. So I don't question that A&M is going to continue to make overtures to DJ Hicks. I don't question that there is a lot of money on the table. And I, I I know for a fact there's a lot of money on the table for DJ Hicks if he wanted to be a Texas A&M Aggie. However, as we mentioned earlier in the show, Steely, the bag men at A&M, the word is they haven't been coming through. And that's why you've seen so much dissatisfaction among Texas A&M's recruiting class that they signed mm-hmm. back in 2022 and heard some rumblings yeah. that maybe more than a few of those guys are eyeing the transfer portal. We talked about chemistry. Does that uh, help you know create chemistry or create tension in the locker room? Who knows? Parker, out of curiosity, will A&M still continue to push DJ Hicks to decommit from Oklahoma until signing day? Oh, absolutely. I don't yeah. question that. Yeah, DJ Hicks isn't a guy you give up on. However, I do know that the reason this decision got moved up, because even just a week ago, I would have still said DJ commits or DJ Hicks commits mid-October at the earliest. The reason this got moved up to September 28th is because DJ Hicks is tired of the recruiting process. He's tired of constantly answering the phone. He's tired of schools, even schools that aren't in his top group continually trying to batter down the door to get him to commit to their institution. DJ Hicks wants this thing done and over with. And so I don't question that A&M is going to continue to push him. I also don't question that DJ Hicks at a certain point is just going to shut off his phone. And I don't question that he is going to leave the A&M staff on red at a certain point. Because the kid is fed up. And you can imagine, right, when you're arguably the most de- coveted defensive player in the country, you've got everybody hitting you up all the time. And it gets tiring. I, I Sometimes I just want to throw my phone off a balcony. And I promise you, I don't have half as many people hitting yeah. me up on a day-to-day basis as DJ Hicks does. Right. Shark says Texas A&M did the sack of cash Trans Am thing with Eric Dickerson. Look where it got them on probation. You're talking about in addition to what SMU did, right, with the Pony Express. Eric Dickerson, Sealy, Texas. Also, uh, Oklahoma was in the mix in the running for Eric Dickerson. 
And um, I saw on uh, Football Life, I think uh, Eric Dickerson said his mom didn't like Barry Switzer or didn't trust Barry Switzer. Interesting. Yes. Was it the mink coat? I don't know. I, I don't know, but Eric Dickerson, man. Is he, he too glitzy for Eric Dickerson's mom? Sealy, Texas, Eric Dickerson, the Pony Express. So, yeah, I, there were there was a lot of uh, cash flying around in those days, no doubt. Parker, imagine having Steely, your roommate, you making blueberry muffins with Steely engaged with you in a casual conversation, sitting at the kitchen cable, table shirtless and wearing only sexy senior depends. Rockstar, Mark and Newcastle. <laughs> I'm not wearing them yet but if they offer me an nil deal here in a few years who knows kind of scarred by that image mark in newcastle yeah yeah. shay is a saint i'll say that much oh she has to be would you i wouldn't put up with me i can tell you that no chance no chance how much is ou put on the table for hicks i'm not answering that question because I, I don't have I don't have the answer, and even if I did, I wouldn't answer. I mean, look, the Sooners have some NIL money. Yes, they got some collectives happening. I mean, it's it's a different day and age. It is a different day and age. There will be OU players that hit the portal. Why wouldn't you take Coleman now and get needs taken care of in the portal with those vacated scholarships? What say you, Parker Thun? What say I is that, look, I agree with that texture. At the end of the day, Brent Venables is getting paid $7 bucks a year to make these kinds of decisions. So at a certain point, I'm just going to defer to him. I like Malachi Coleman. I think he's going to be an excellent football player. And I think, as I mentioned yesterday, with how much this staff has talked about wanting guys that want to be at Oklahoma – I don't really understand how you could turn away a kid like this that evidently wants to be a Sooner. But, again, they get paid a whole heck of a lot more than I do to make decisions that matter a whole heck of a lot more than the decisions I make on a day-to-day basis. So, I'm going to trust them on it. Also, when you look at the rest of this class, Venables and this staff, they've afforded themselves the right to be picky. Well, it's a really good class. Right now, and it's getting ready to go great around 3.30 today. And uh, that's probably not it because, again, we'll see what's going to happen with Bowen. Akani looks like uh, he'll be an OU guy, right? Yes. Did you go 70 80% on that right now? I feel good about that one. I would say 65%, 70%. So you close with a safety, Akana, and you're putting Peyton Bowen at what? 65% maybe or higher? I think everybody's I'd, just thinking, man, if, if everybody keeps saying he's going to flip, when is he going to flip? It's it's maddening, Steely, because, like, I – and at this point, I'm honestly going to have to see the decision date to believe that there is a decision date because I remember back in the spring, it was like, okay, Peyton Bowen will have this thing done by April. And then it was like, well, he'll have it done by May. And then it was eh, June, July, sometime over the summer. And it was, yeah, it's probably sometime in August. Now, here we are towards the end of September, rolling over into October. Still nothing across as far as the final decision for Peyton Bowen. So, I don't know when it's going to happen. I still favor Oklahoma. But, man, I just, oh, oh, I'm so tired of answering questions on this recruitment. 
Yeah, I need I'm it to end. Yeah, and uh, let's say the the Sooners end up and they get Hicks and they get Akana and they get a safety. Which safety would you say it would be? I I, I still think Ryan Yates. Okay, you do. I All do. Right. I uh, do. Let's say you only get yeah one of the two Denton kids and Yates is a four star and Bowen's a five star, but you add those three again still you're going to have the number two class in the country, right? I mean, we'll see what happens down the stretch. But the Sooners today, with the D.J. Hicks commitment, are going to move up to number two in the country behind Alabama. And nobody's nobody's, uh, going to supplant Alabama in the top spot. But the Sooners, again, are looking at a historic class. Yeah, it'll be their best, regardless. I I think this commitment from Hicks officially makes this the highest-rated class Oklahoma has ever had. So – as we've said several times, anything beyond this is gravy for OU. And that's, in my mind, going to include Tessilia Kana. And I believe it'll include Peyton Bowen and Ryan Yates. Okay. That, and that's big time. Okay. Somebody asked me, a Boomer Doomer asked me the other day on the stream, uh, said, what happens if the Sooners finish 7-5? and five? There's no way they can hold this class together. What say you to that? Yeah, Texas held their class together last year, and they went 5-7. Mm-hmm. and seven. Yes, they so, did. Look, at at the end of the day, yes, results on the field matter. And would it be ideal to have a 7-5 and five season after all the recruiting m- momentum that you garnered this offseason? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. But what Venables and this staff are primarily selling recruits on is not what they're doing in 2022. Right. Right? Because what they're doing in 2022 does not tangibly matter to anybody signing in this cycle. Yeah. What they're selling them on is where Oklahoma is headed once they get there. And not only where Oklahoma is headed as a program and the fact that this staff expects to compete for national championships year in and year out, but the individual development aspect of it as well. Hey, we can get you to the NFL. We're not just going to promise you money once you get to campus. We're going to promise you money once you graduate and once you go play professional ball because we can make you a whole heck of a lot more in the long run than programs like Texas A&M and Miami and Arkansas and Oregon can make you over the course of your four years there. All right, as we go to a break from the 918, the 23 class will win a national championship. Book it. Well, you I got mean, the you yeah, got the building blocks in do. place to do so. If if yeah. they pan out, if the majority of those guys pan out and they're coached up, and I you know they will be, uh, that's certainly a possibility with this class based on uh, what we're seeing. Uh, with the, the reputation of so many of the players in this class. All right, break time right here. Thank you again, Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72, great selection, great sales team, great, great deal. After the sale, the guarantee of oil changes and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. That's a heck of a deal. Coming right back, T.J. Eckert talking Sooner football and more next here on The Ref.
Riverwind Casino, the metro area's best casino, voted year after year after year after year because they have the best games, best promotions, best dining, bars, entertainment, best hotel right there connected to the casino. Riverwind Casino is simply the best. And right now, if you're going out to Riverwind, you may notice there's some renovations going on. They have three brand-new gaming areas one is a non-smoking gaming area in the Showplace Theater. Don't worry, down the road, the Showplace Theater is coming back with all those great shows they always have. It's a great concert venue. But there's gaming now in the Showplace Theater. There is gaming at the River Lounge. And there's also gaming with electronic gaming machines. Remember, Riverwind has over 2,800 of them. Also, in the Skybridge area. So you can find your favorite game. If you can't find it on the main floor where some of the remodeling is going on, that's where you will find them. Showplace Theater. Skybridge or the River Lounge, and uh, they pulled the curtain back on the first area they finished with the renovation. It looks unbelievable. So we always want to thank our friends at Riverwind Casino. They also sponsor our uh, hotline, 405-329-9000, Riverwind, simply the best. And that is where T.J. Eckert joins us from KTUL-TV in uh, Tulsa. T.J., all right, after last week, you've got uh, the some of the boomer doomers are saying, oh, no, seven and five. The Sooner Sunshiners are saying, ah, it's a one-game situation. It's Kansas State. Uh, we don't really know the answer, which group's going to be right. Where, where do you fall in this uh, conversation right now about where Oklahoma is after that loss to K-State over the weekend? Well, first off, I'm shocked that there's any OU fan out there overreacting to a loss. That just Ima- never happened. Imagine that, right? <laughs> uh, I, uh, you know what? I, I'm probably more towards. I don't want to say I'm a sunshine pumper, but I'm more towards the the thinking positive side of things. I certainly don't think seven and five is in the cards. Uh, I think we learn a lot more. We continue to learn more about this team uh, this Saturday in Fort Worth, and then the following Saturday in Dallas. I think these next two days, two games with TCU and Texas. Well, tell us a lot. One, the response coming off of a loss, first time you've had to do that under Brent Venables. And then two, Texas being the, what should be, I guess, the best offense in theory that they'll face. Uh, I guess, you know, Reigns we've seen with Quinn Ewers and, and, and his status, but uh, Steve Sarkeesian's done a pretty good job there with that offense. So uh, two tough tests coming up, but I, I lean more towards the it's just one game, uh, Kansas State always comes up and, and plays well in Norman, and, and Chris Kleiman's always got them ready to go, especially for the, the big teams in the conference. So uh, certainly not overreacting towards the negative side of things. Um, but I, I, like I said, I think we'll learn quite a bit this weekend in Fort Worth. Can't help but see the parallels, Canyon TJ, between Adrian Martinez and Max Duggan as quarterbacks. So how much do you think this weekend is going to teach us about Oklahoma's ability to make defensive adjustments when they're getting toasted by a guy of that skill set? Sure, yeah. The, yeah, we just we just talked about uh, how well they respond off of a loss, and we'll also learn how well they respond from their mistakes. Uh, because that's exactly right. Max Duggan, Duggan is not a guy – that you would look at and, and think that he's a, he's a world beater, right? And we did the same thing with Adrian Martinez going into the week. I mean, we were talking about him maybe having the throwing yips and not trusting what he was seeing, and then he came out and, and looked every bit of a, of a quality Power 5 quarterback last week. So same, same argument can be made for Max Duggan. I wouldn't go as far as say he's lost confidence and has the throwing yips like some tossed around last week. 
but he's certainly not a guy that jumps off the screen and, and is a guy that, you know, he, he's not screaming Heisman contender by any stretch of the imagination. But he's a guy who can certainly beat you with his legs, and he's plenty capable uh, to beat you with his arm, too. So I will be curious to see what kind of adjustments are made. I know, you know, Venables talked about on that third and 16 play that there was a spy that either didn't get communicated or was busted. Um, be curious to see if a spy is more utilized this week against TCU. I know that's uh, something that a lot of teams like to do whenever they face a mobile quarterback. Um, so we'll see maybe if that ends up being part of the game plan this week. I'm, I don't think it was too heavily involved last week. Um, and then obviously the big play they talked about, the spy was a bust. So it's certainly it's certainly a similar type scenario. And um, so to, to, it lends to your point. We'll see how they're able to game plan better for a mobile quarterback. T.J. Eckert, our guest, KTUL-TV in Tulsa, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Uh, man, uh, we're going to learn a lot about the Big 12, too, this weekend. Uh, but first mm. of all, man, there there are no uh, tap-in putts, right, T.J.? Kansas was a tap-in putt. You know, sometimes maybe West Virginia was a, a straight three-footer, you know, uphill. Um, but it, it doesn't look that way now. We're going to find a lot out when Oklahoma State goes to Waco this weekend as well, but how, how about this Big 12? It's up in the air. Kansas, Kansas is going to have a winning record when they come to Norman. I mean, how crazy is that? They're going to be, I mean, because they're 4-0 right now. they got two games, so they're, they're, they're guaranteed to have a winning record coming to Norman through six, six games. It's pretty hard to believe um, when you see what Kansas has been in, in years past. And then, yeah, West Virginia and going to Morgantown, whatever, is never easy either, so... Uh, it's interesting. I think um, it's one of those where I think people have been talking about it, maybe on the national media. Like the Big 12 is a league where you know you might see a two-loss team, even a three-loss team, potentially make the Big 12 championship game. Um, it's 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 one of those they're kind of cannibalizing themselves, and unfortunately, the Big 12 doesn't have the reputation that the SEC does. And if the SEC was to you know suffer have a two-loss champion. Uh, they're normally viewed much higher than maybe a two-loss Big 12 champion. So you hope that they don't cannibalize themselves to the point where they knock themselves out of the playoff discussion. Um, but at least from a viewership standpoint, it's great to tune in because you really don't know what's going to happen any given week. And and I think we talked about it maybe last week or a couple weeks ago. I love that Kansas is playing well. I really, I've enjoyed that, and I, I hope they continue playing well because that's been fun to watch. DJ, one guy that probably hasn't gotten his due over the last couple of weeks for how spectacular he's been on the ground for Oklahoma is Eric Ray, uh, who's really emerged, seized the bull by the horns, and taken the reins as the lead back in OU's backfield. How much does his performance leave you encouraged about uh, the potential ripple effect? And we've already seen it to a certain extent, but the ripple effect on how that can uh, affect the remainder of Oklahoma's offense and their ability to move the ball effectively, put points up throughout the duration of Big 12 play? Sure. I mean, there was, there was a time, I mean, I think even going into the Nebraska game, it was probably getting wild. Of people were or really wanting to see Marcus Major start getting more carries and maybe see him take over that backfield. And then uh, Eric Gray has a great week uh, in Lincoln. So it, I think it's good. The run game is only going to help the passing game. And, and I've, I've said it a few times. Uh, but the way that Jeff Levy has been able to kind of have a balanced attack in terms of production, I mean, the, the passing and rushing yard splits have been fairly similar every week so far for the most part. The more that that stays that way, the easier it makes things on Dylan Gabriel and the wide receivers in terms of the passing game because you're not so reliant on it. So 
it's great for Eric Gray. It's great for the run game, obviously, to have uh, a guy carry the load like that and, and be successful doing it. But it's also great, pays dividends to the passing game and to Dylan Gabriel to, you know, it can it can make the, uh, you know, make coverages a little bit more towards uh, defenses playing towards the run, makes those play actions uh, open things up a little bit better. It makes teams not, you know, sit on pass and, and should open things up a little bit better for him too. So it it it, it does more than just give Eric Gray confidence, as you said. It, it gives it's more of a ripple effect to the rest of that offense and the defense. If you can if you can create and be physical up front on the offensive side of the ball, it gives in in reality it gives your defensive line and the, that front seven some confidence too, knowing that man, our offensive line's winning up front. We need to, we can do the same thing. And so uh, it kind of goes not just to the offense but to the defensive side as well. All right, TJ, you're a former quarterback, uh, Bixby, UCO, uh, Sooner fans, some of them out there are ready to, you know, oh, Dylan Gabriel, not to, he's just a guy. He's not, you know, he doesn't have the, he's not the answer for Oklahoma. What do you think of uh, Dylan Gabriel's play so far? Yeah, so I, I put out a tweet right after the game. Um, I think, I think Parker may have shared it. I don't, I, I think. I uh, yes, I did. Retweet it. So thank you. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> You know, he's completing over two-thirds of his passes. He hadn't thrown a pick yet, hadn't fumbled the ball yet. I mean, the dude's taking care of the ball. Um, he's he's reading defense as well. He's absolutely missed throws that he should make. I am There There was not a debate in my defense of him at all in that, and, I, and he obviously understands that too. Dylan Gabriel said it after every week that there's throws he's missed. Um, they became more glaring last week because it was at a loss. I, I think he's playing just fine. I, the only critique I've seen so far and that I might have is that he's thrown some pretty good deep balls, but there's also been some passes where it feels like he doesn't have the same touch. And I'm not sure if he's, if he's losing touch, um, if he's not trusting the touch. And by touch, I mean putting the ball up in the air. Um, there's been quite a few deep balls. The one, the one that he missed to Drake Stoops, uh, he missed one of Marvin Mims too, kind of down the sideline, where they're more on a line than you'd like to see. Um, and I, I ran into that issue. The only reason I noticed is because I ran into that issue at UCO. I was having a hard time putting the ball up in the air and letting my receivers go run and make a play. I was trying to be too perfect and precise and drive it to my receivers, and if you do that and you miss, it makes it really hard on the receiver to make a play. And so I noticed that actually two or three times um, against Kansas State this past weekend. So that's something I would keep an eye on uh, this week in Fort Worth. If you're seeing him kind of loft those deep balls out there and give his guys a chance, I think he's feeling confident. If you're seeing him continue to put maybe a little more zip on the deep balls and not seeing that nice high arc, um, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's a lack of confidence, but it's something that he needs. That I think he needs to work on to give his guys a chance. That's my only critique so far. He's missed passes, sure, but that's the one thing I'd like to see maybe improve just a little bit. TJ, you the man. We appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, you do it pretty much every week, and we always enjoy it. We'll talk to you again soon. Anytime, Steely. Thanks, Parker. Thanks, guys. T.J. Eckert, uh, he's played a position, may not be at a Power 5 level, but, you know, Bixby, pretty good program and uh, played at UCO. So, yeah, you have seen uh, and some of those balls, some of the deep balls have had the loft. Uh, some of the ones that are maybe the uh, down the middle of the field or maybe the intermediate routes uh, where a guy's been running wide open, maybe you've seen some of that where he throws a bullet that just sails a little bit. So, anyway, we'll see. Got to play better, though. Played, He's played well. 
for the most part, but still got to play better. All right, break time right here. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you. We get to as many texts. Let's hear from Dylan Gabriel real quick when we get back as well, and then we'll get to as many texts as we can on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Sound like a plan? Okay, well, we'll see if we can execute it next. Will everybody have to finish their whiskey and beer after this is over today at about 345 or whatever? Because it is closing time. It is closing time. For David Hicks. Yes, it is closing time. 3.30 ESPN 2 is uh, where it will be shown. That's a pretty big deal if you get your uh, commitment ceremony on ESPN 2. Pretty big. That's why he's a five-star. All right, let's hear from Dylan Gabriel meeting the media last night, talking about uh, moving on from Kansas State last week, trying to get better now for TCU. You know, you, you can't really change any of you know, what, what happened, but I can for sure you know, change the, the future and you know, how, how I'm going to get better and you know, be better for the guys, but also you know, as a unit, just you know, making sure we're, we're good as, as a unit together um, and taking advantage when, when we're both you know, dialed and, and got an open, you know, receiver or likewise just um, moving the chains better um, and correcting those pre-snap deals. But I think if you look at it, you know, and when we look back, there's a lot of fixable things that, you know, we could have done um, to, to help us put us in a better position. When you talk about those fixable things for, for you personally, what, what are some of the specific things that you saw yeah. that you can adjust that, you know, will help you Saturday and moving forward? Just continues, you know, with my eyes, my feet, um, you know, the mess just being, you know, really good, you know, with that. And then um, just working certain routes and continuing to, to do that and making sure, you know, we're as prepared as possible. Um, when, when we're the you know most prepared and and dialed as a unit um, together, um, you know that's when you know things click and things are going well. So we just got to continue to do that and and make sure that that's a point of emphasis. There you go, Dylan Gabriel meeting with the media last night. Sooners TCU 11 a.m. Rooster kick down in Fort Worth at Amy Carter Stadium. Our pregame show on the ref Saturday morning begins at 7 a.m. All right, 4:05. 651-3439 of the Air Cover Solutions text line. Let's go there and get as many in as we can before we wrap it up. Isn't the decision 3.30 Eastern time? No, it's 4.30 Eastern time. 3.30 Central. Uh, at least to my knowledge. Uh, 3.30 Central is when he will be making the decision on ESPN2. Is that what you said, Steely? Yes. that I, I had heard, again, ESPN2. And I haven't heard anything different since. So, Okay, here we go. You guys are doing a fantastic job. 
and I love tuning in every single day. Not trying to be that fan that sends nasty text messages every day, but just realize that this OU staff that is newly assembled has never put a single person in the NFL either, not one. So in my personal and humble opinion, that is not a good argument, and I wouldn't be telling recruits that. BV might have got players to the NFL at Clemson, but this specific coaching staff has not at OU. Just saying. I mean, sure, in the most technical sense, you're mm-hmm. correct. Yeah. But Brent Venables has developed plenty of players towards a future in the NFL, as has Todd Bates. You look at guys like Brandon Hall, Miguel Chavis, less experienced in that regard, fewer skins on the wall. But what is undeniable as you look across this OU staff is you can look at specific guys, i.e. Brent Venables, Todd Bates, Bill Biedenboe. Those guys are so ballyhooed as coaches because they've done so much for their players in terms of development. And again, this is the same texter that was uh, earlier he had said, how can you say about Texas A&M that they can't develop or haven't developed when they clearly put Von Miller and Miles Garrett in the NFL and they're making tons of money? Please lose that argument. And my response was, well, the current staff has nothing to do with the development of those two. And he followed up by saying, then talk about the staff, not the university. Well, in, in this case, that's what I'm doing. I'm talking yeah. about the staff. I'm talking about Brett Menables, Todd Bates. Yes, while they haven't necessarily done it at Oklahoma, they've done it at Clemson. They've adopted the same model at Oklahoma that they employed at Clemson. And that's why there's so much belief that they're going to have just as much success in that regard as they did at Clemson. Well, and uh, again, look, A&M was past rusher U for a little while, no doubt. Uh, but... And uh, see, that's that's well written right there. See, not nasty, just factual, and yeah, you know, make some good again, some good uh, arguments. Well, your own exhortation, mm-hmm. listener. I would I would refer you to your own exhortation there. Talk, uh, pay attention to the staff, it's not almost, the university. It's almost time for locked up, Steely. <laughs> Who's been saying locked up? Have I said locked up? No, it's become a meme. Oh, it has. I don't know how much of the show you get oh, to listen to. I I usually listen until I get home, uh, which is about two twenty, two twenty five, and then I got to jump right on the stream. It's, and start. Well, it's Teddy Layman that has oh. really caused things to go <laughs> off the rails. Locked in, locked up, oh, locked so out, good. locked That's on. Classic. I like it. I like it. All right, thank you guys. Thanks for all the text today. We appreciate it. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll get to as many as we can again tomorrow. Some good stuff again today. I I didn't mind that text. I thought it was I thought it was actually all right myself. Okay. Oh, I got to look at my uh, global clock here on the iPhone. It's telling me it's about time to get out of here. Appreciate everybody. Thanks for the text. And again, uh, Gunny of Stutzman Army, you're the man. You have a great day as well. The DJ Hicks commitment happening around 3.30. Hey, let's get locked in, locked up. Just get locked next.